Hello, my lovely friends. We're so happy to have you with us on another episode of the Bag Lady Show. And we just love being here with you every Thursday night. And uh, it's so much fun, but I think we're really learning a lot and uh, getting a chance to really encourage you to live lives of service, giving back. And we, of course, sell bags in order to fund causes for women in need around the world. And in so doing, it's a win-win for all of us because in so doing, we find purpose and, and lots of joy in, in being able to help people. I want to introduce always, once again, my lovely daughter and co-host, Shauna. Hello, hello. Take it away. Thank you for joining us. And make sure you stay tuned yes. for after the interview, we're going to have our drawing. And um, today we have a special guest and family friend. Yes. Um, his name is Mark Gould, and he's a filmmaker uh, living in California. And so today we're going to play a little movie trivia to get mm. us started. So, okay. so Miss Ronna I'm Jordan, on the, I'm on the hot you're on the hot seat. seat. Okay. What was the first feature-length animated movie ever released? Okay. Is it A, Bambi? B, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or C, Fantasia? I'm going to say C, Fantasia. <gasps> oh. Wrong. The answer is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, well, I love that movie. I do too. Oh, I love that. <laughs> All, right, All right, number two. What movie did Tom Hanks get his first Academy Award nomination? A, is it Big? B, A League of Their Own, or C, Sleepless in Seattle? Well, I'm going to go with my favorite of those, which would be C, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh, no. It's actually my favorite, Big. Oh, that, that, that was a good movie. That was yeah. so fun. I would love to have a trampoline in my house. Okay, what movie did Steven Spielberg win his first Oscar for Best Director? A, Raiders of the Lost Ark. B, E.T., or C, Schindler's List? My final answer is C, Schindler's List. Well, it's about time. Good job. Schindler's List it is. Okay, moving on. Number four, in Risky Business, what song did Tom Cruise famously lip sync in his undies? A, Old Time Rock and Roll? B, American Woman, or C, play that funky music? Well, because I grew up in the 70s, I do believe I'm going to get this one correct. Old time of rock and roll, the kind of music that soothes my soul. Mm. <laughs> All <laughs> right. about the days of bowl. All right. Okay. You got that Alrighty. one. All righty. All righty. Number five, how many Oscars has Meryl Streep been nominated oh. for? A, 13, B, 18, or C, 21? She is such an incredible actor. I'm going to go with C, 21. Good job. <laughs> All righty. All right, last question. Okay. Let's see if you can get it right at home. What is the highest grossing movie of all time? A, The Avengers, Endgame, B, The Lion King, or C, Black Panther? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that A, that Avengers movie. Have you seen that? 
Well, my grandkids have. All right. <laughs> Good job. Good job. All Woo-hoo! right. That was fun. That was fun. That was and, fun. And uh, hooray for Hollywood. Hooray for Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> and hooray for our next guest. He's just so much fun to work with. And one thing I love, um, he came to Africa with yes. us on a trip and did some recording. He's He, he doesn't change. He's the same in business as he is out of business. He's kind. He's fun. He keeps everybody lifted up high in spirits. So I hope you enjoy our interview with Mark Gould. We are here with filmmaker Mark Gould. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, Mark. Good, good. How are you? How are you going out in California? Uh, It's sunny, bright. And taxed really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with shutdowns or anything like that. Oh, total shutdowns. That's yeah. all right. Well, listen, uh, we're, we're really happy to have you on uh, the, the Bag Lady show today. And um, we just want to first find out a little bit about your early life and influences and people and main events in your life. And just let people kind of know who you are. My quick background, is that what we're going through right now? That little point where I tell my background real fast? Um, you don't, I don't want you to do it real fast. We want to hear all the nitty gritty. Well, I was born in Farmington, New Mexico. <laughs> Redneckville. Um, yeah, grew up in Farmington. Uh, loved it. Loved Farmington. I loved growing up where we did. I mean, grew up with you guys. Uh, it was. It's a neat town. I just I think the weather's awesome. You got to ski, you got to water ski, snow ski. What more can you know? Play sports, and it was just the perfect place to kind of grow up. You know, wasn't it? I didn't have a really. Our family wasn't very wealthy. We we're actually kind of you know, medium, medium, low class. You know, but we got by, and uh, just it was just fun. It was growing up there, and I uh, graduated in '88. Uh, I. Uh, decided I was going to go to college and I was going to do psychology and I got to um, undergrad at New Mexico State University and decided "Mm, I'm going to act a little bit. So I started acting and I already was acting in high school and I was all goofy and doing um, things up in high school in Farmington High School. You know, I won Uh speech and debate and did all that. So it was always in me to, to perform in front of people and and it's mostly comedy that I love to do. And uh, then I got into New Mexico State, which was a professional theater. Hmm. And um, Mark Medoff, who wrote Children of a Lesser God, some people would know that, some mm-hmm. people would know what that is. But he was a Tony Award winning and Academy Award nominee, um, kind of took me under his arms for um, uh, as an actor. And then I started writing hmm. and I said, well, I kind of like to write plays. I wrote a play, I wrote three plays, two of them went, one of them went national and then two of them toured like New Mexico and Texas and did all that. I was like, I think I like writing too and more than I think I like acting. And so I finished at New Mexico State um, thinking that maybe I might be an actor, you know, didn't know Mm -hmm. where my life was going to go. And I would was thinking, well, what do I, I took a year off. I'm like, well, what do I want to do? And I go, well, what if I went to film school as a director? I go, that would be kind of interesting. And so um, I signed up 
for there was, I was in the middle of the year and I was kind of late. There was only one school left that I could look, and there was this orange book at New Mexico State Library, and it said Cal Arts on it. I was like, well, that looks like a kind of a weird book you're going to put out there for people to go to grad school. So I opened it up, and it's mm. there was a department called Directing for Theater, Video, and Cinema. And I'm like, well, that works, because I've been directing, I've been writing mm. for theater, and I want to transition into cinema. This would be a perfect program for me. So, you know, it was a rigorous work to, to apply for it. You had to do all kinds of things. And, but I mean, it wasn't nothing bad. So I just did it and just thought, well, next year I want to go to UCLA or I'll figure something out. Well, I got accepted to <clears throat> CalArts and uh, I told Mark Medoff and the first thing he looked at me and goes, how the hell did you get into that school? I was like, what? <laughs> and he's like, um, that school is really hard to get into. <laughs> Bingo. I signed up and I did what they told me. I got in. Then he started telling everybody at the, um, all of my professors and then they all would walk up to me and go, how'd you get in? And I'm like, I don't know how I got in. Man, everybody doubted you. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess so. I realized that when they were all shocked that I got into Cal Arts. Um, so it was kind of weird because I came out here at Cal Arts and I was the only male American that was in the program that year. Wow. Um, yeah. There was only 15 of us that uh, got in. I was the only mm. male American and uh, they all spoke like two or three languages. <laughs> here I am with my redneckies. I couldn't write a sentence to save my day. I mean, I still have trouble writing. I'm, I'm, grammar has always been I'm my worst. Um, but what I did learn was how to tell story. And mm. you know, the one thing my mentor told me when, he's, when I was there, he's like, you know, you'll figure out all the rest of that stuff. That's technical. But learning to tell a story, that's the hardest thing you could ever do. Mm. And boy, he'd take me in the room and he would teach me all this stuff. That, like, here's how you do the right structure and characters. And he, would, mm. he really worked hard with me. And when I graduated, he was like, you know, your class, because we're very close. Our class was a really good class. So good luck, you know out there but I think you got a good chance and I keep in touch with him every once in a while he's a really good friend and from there on you know I went into music videos uh, went to Europe uh, worked with people in the music video industry uh, moved from there um, I was mainly doing producing during that time because I didn't know anything technical so I said if I'm going to learn technical because I learned all story but I didn't learn the technical aspects of filmmaking mm -hmm. And the best way to do it is do the visual ways, and that was to do music videos. And so I started hanging out with those guys, and they were doing camera angles and doing all these weird stuff. And I started to catch on. I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, so I went out of uh, producing, which I hate line producing, and I got stuck in line producing for a year. What does that mean, line producing? Line producing is where you go, I'm going to make sure all this is put there. And if something happens, I'm going to think of this will be something else will happen. And they got to think ahead, like, you know, the police might show up or, you know, a neighbor wants a hundred dollars and all that stuff. I don't think of stuff like that. I mean, these are people who like think of the worst of the world and they figure it out and they protect you and they're very detailed and they're like, you know, I'm not that I'm all artsy. Now producing is different. Producing and produced by is different because you're putting the team together. I can do that. I love that part and knowing the bigger picture, but the details and the, the minutiae is just not me. And mm. I found that out in two years of doing music videos. So I came out of that, started doing a documentary called, <laughs> I 
Um, banging for the calle. <laughs> banging for the calle? <laughs> yeah. Banging for the calle. And ended up um, directing the documentary. This is where I met my business part partner um, for Directional Entertainment. Um, he was uh, doing independent music and he's like, hey, I have, why don't you do a documentary on Latin rap? Nobody's done it. And so I, he was like, cool. And he's like, I'm going to hook you up with the top rappers. And I'm in San Diego in the hood. I mean, with these guys, they're smoking pot, they're doing lines. What up, homie? And, you know, playing pool. But I found the one thing that you, you, you has more powerful than anything is a camera. As soon as you have a camera in interviews, they're like your best buddy. They're giving you cards going, hey, I want to do music videos. And I mean, I got a lot of hookups that way. And I started doing music videos for them. Um, I was putting albums together for people, music video albums that went to Netflix and it just kind of started me, wow. you know, and that door, and this is when Netflix was just beginning. So mm. they were taking almost any content, but it was cool because uh, all the ones that I did got onto Netflix and, mm. and they were renting out all the time. And it was, and that was kind of the start of my little career. Took an attempt at doing a feature film independent with a guy Wasted $17,000 of my pocket money with a guy that I didn't, well, I won't trust him. He was, he's a good guy, but he's just, there were a lot of issues there. Mm -hmm. Learned that lesson, who you deal with and started. And um, then after that, I started working in TV, doing producing, directing, um, uh, which I actually really love. And looking back on it, it was education, a higher calling. I did something like 120 episodes. But I love it because it was encouraging people to go back and get your education mm. and people who do go get their education, why you need to get the education. Mm. And that kind of led me to where we ended up with uh, that movie, Gone Are the Days, where I uh, worked with uh, someone from Farmington, one of my friends. He had a he had a book that he wanted me to do called The Ancients, and it just we couldn't figure the ancients out. And he's like, Well, I have this other story, and he gave me the first eight pages. And I'm like, This is the this is the film I want to do. Mm. And so he became a writer. Um, I did not write Gone Are the Days, um, but I did kind of help him a little bit uh with the writing, but I was more interested in the style and trying to make it look cool. And that's what I wanted to do. Work look, make it look cool and see what I could do with the actors. Because I didn't have the right, he was, you know, he was also the executive producer and he's putting the money and I couldn't do my writing. I wanted to respect him and mm -hmm. his writing. So, you know, he did a lot of the writing, um, but I wanted to see what I could do with actors. And then Tom Berenger jumped onto the project. And then um, my favorite, Lance Hendrickson jumped on once Tom Berenger was on. And working with Lance was just fantastic. And, um, it was a really cool experience. It just, it was sucked too. We shot it in 15 days. Oh, what? Yeah, I had to shoot what? that. What? There was a budget for only 15 days that I could do it. So I had to get really creative. And in order to make that 15 days work, um, 15 shooting days, I think it's all that comes out to about oh. two and a half days. But uh, in order to do it, I had to do two cameras. Uh, you can't do one. So you had to think, how are you going to edit this film? Are you making things work? And it was just, uh, it was a very interesting process. Um, then afterwards, it's been even more interesting watching where kind of how it went and, you know, who picked it up, you know, it ended up being Lionsgate and Grindstone who picked it up. And then 
you know, we have foreign distributors and right now we're not, you know, we're trying to figure out how to get our money out of their hands because <laughs> they hold on to it a lot. I mean, a lot. And so that's uh, where this, that's at. And then in the meantime, you know, you just, you, you start your, this is, I've been told so many times you make your film, you get it out there, wait, you're going to hit it again in seven years. And then wow. you'll start constantly be working. Um, if you don't get an agent. So I could have gone, I didn't go grab an agent uh, because your agents are going to want you to work for other companies and just direct like TV mm -hmm. episodes. I'm not that interested in that. I, even though there's some good money doing it and I, I probably should, but I'm more interested in the projects that we have. Um, just recently, uh, this last year, Jamie Foxx and uh, Queen Latifah picked up one of our scripts that we wrote called Mahalia Jackson. And mm. it's about the famous gospel singer, yeah. Mahalia Jackson. And they picked that up and um, we're, we're working on a deal with Amazon for them to do it. I won't be directing that obviously, cause you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white guy that probably should not be directing. We want an African-American woman to direct that, but I am a writer and a producer on it, which is great. And it's That's fun. Great. And then currently we have a TV show with um, uh, AMC that we're trying to get uh, produced right now. And just working on one of my favorite projects, which is with you guys. And we started kind of in Kenya about three years ago. Is it three yeah. Or three? We three or four. We had the pleasure of Mark Gould coming to Kenya with us and doing yeah. some filming. And I'll tell you what, that was a fun, yes. fun trip. What, what was your favorite part of that trip, Mark, coming in and filming in Africa? Well, obviously the people that we're around, that's, that's fun. I mean, you, not, it was a lot of work. I honestly, I shot my feature film. And when I came back from Africa, I was like, I feel like I just shot another feature film all in <laughs> one week. It you was... had us working from morning till night, man. You were a go-getter. You know what I did really enjoy about your style is you stayed upbeat, you stayed positive, you kept the morale up. And I don't think there was a time where I ever felt like you were mean or or a slave driver well maybe you were a slave driver at some points but but overall how do you keep that morale up because i've you know there's other people that that don't necessarily do business like that well i mean i've learned through the industry i mean first and foremost i mean I, my faith is my important part of it and i think when you have a relationship with god and you have your faith and your beliefs, you tend to grasp on that first. So mm -hmm. once you have that belief and you have that relationship with God, you go, okay, I have to have a relationship with someone. Now, if I were abusive to God and I speak to God the way that I would speak to other people, how, how would you think he would love me back? Or vice versa, if he were to scream, tell me how horrible a person I am. So you try to have that relationship mm -hmm. with God and then you carry that through people. Um, I find, you know, being on set, I watched, you know, I've been a PA on commercials. I've done PA commercials. I jumped on in my 40s. I was, I go, I want to be a PA on commercials. And I got a friend. What's a PA? A production assistant. He's production the assistant. He sweeps, up every, sweeps up everything. <laughs> He's like, go get the coffee. I did it in my 40s because I was like, why are these guys successful? And I got on set with some of them. And, and some of the music video directors, I find a constant them screaming them being asinine on set mm -hmm. and i'm like i walk around 
the people that are on set and they're grumbling, mm -hmm. they're not happy. Uh, they, you know, they're just, they're, it's not fun experience. And that's the best part of making a film or doing things when you're on set and you're doing it. And sure, things are going to happen and you might get frustrated a little bit, but things always happen in life. So I, right. I, I found, and this is the most, it was, you know, I had, <laughs> I learned this on my own set. I made sure that after every day, when I got there in the morning, I'd walk around and I would shake all the grips hands and everybody's, Hey, good morning. How you doing? And then at the end of the day, I would thank everybody. And it got irritating to some of the grips because I would do it every single night, whether I was done or not. But it was when you go and you shake everybody's hands, say thank you for your work, even though you're paying them, you're saying to them, you mean something. And life's too short not to just appreciate people and, and be around people and not fight and it's just I if I if I find conflict I kind of walk away from it I kind of more like I'll face it if I need to but I mean I think that's the way you need to do or work as a filmmaker or just work as a human being you know yeah I, I agree I agree and yeah. and it's like you know there's good teachers bad teachers good doctors bad doctors mm -hmm. if you love it why would you change who you are to people and say oh it's just business well actually it's you living your life so mm -hmm. it's not just business it's let's all have fun and love one another and and yeah just have a good time doing it and that's that's the way I felt in Africa when we did the filming and so while we were there you know really getting to watch you and your mm -hmm. comedy you do you I like your comedy right. I could see where that's what you would want to be doing or where you started or you know because it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So much fun that we kind of came up with something different than a documentary while we were there um, in Africa. Yes, T tell us about that. How yeah. we, well, we were, we were having sessions every night kind of brainstorming uh, about how to, you know, get our organization uh, promoted and, and different things like that. And, and that's why you, you know, you were over there with us was to help our organization houses with hope, uh, to at least look into doing a documentary or, you know, we, we, every night we'd get together and we would just kind of brainstorm different ideas and things like that. And I guess after one brainstorming session, you and Mark kind of stayed behind and said, start talking about another idea, which is pretty cool. So I want I I want everybody to hear about it. <laughs> well, I think when you're making the documentary, you're you, you the great thing about documentaries is you're in the moment. So when you're in the moment, you're trying to film and trying to figure out what is this really about. Um, in right. the problem that happens with documentary and promotional pieces is they're hard to try and figure out because you're trying to promote an organization, you're trying to tell a documentary. What right. are you trying to do? And that's where something becomes a very much of a struggle. And you can you know it can end up working one way or the other it depends sure. on what the footage at the end of the day ends up being and it was so fascinating what we were trying to find and the things we found in the culture and stuff and it's so rich of a culture it's so much in there that you go i want to do a documentary more than i want to do a promotional piece but the promotional piece is so important so you can do the documentary and that's where filmmaking kind of you know gets kind of confusing so while we were in there and we were figuring this out we're like well Okay, so there's millions of documentaries out there right. about 
Africa and you know people coming in to help poor people, the poor people, the poor people, whatever. Then we have a lot of promotional pieces about other companies and what they're doing. We're like, what is something unique we need to do? Right. So actually it was Shauna and Brent and me were sitting there and um, we're having breakfast. Uh, where was, what's that place called where we stayed the first night? Where it woke me up at four in the morning. Where they sing at her. four in the morning? Oh, the temple. Oh yeah, it, it was. It was called PCEA House. It was. It was. It was like a mission house. It was a mission house. Yeah. My first, the first night, nobody told me that at four in the morning we we're waking up to a call to prayer, and I'm dead asleep. You know, after not sleeping. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Brent laughs and he goes, "Yeah, right. I knew you would do the same thing." Uh, but we were sitting there and um, Brent and Shauna, what we were talking, we we're like, Shauna, actually, this is, it's come from Shauna. She was like going, I really want to do a show about, you know, coming to, to, to Africa, you know, and helping people and the vacation part. And I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. But I mean, I don't get the whole vacation part. I mean, I kind of feel bad that you come out here, you help people, and then you go have a vacation. And I was like, I couldn't, I mean, we were excited about it. We thought it was a good idea, but I was like, I don't think it would work because I think people would look at this and go, oh, great. You're just really doing that work so you can go on the vacation. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was writing with um, Jared's brother. What's it? What was that? Jim, Collins or Collins. Collins. He was so funny, man. Yes. Yeah. Man, he had, if you think I have energy, that guy had way more energy. I was like, man, you drink Red Bull or something. <laughs> African so Red Bull. African Red Bull. I don't know what it is, but I want some. <laughs> um, but he was the one, I, you know, I was pondering as we were going. And I asked him, I said, I go, I kind of feel, it feels weird, you know, to go on a vacation after working or going and seeing all this. He's like, no, you're not getting it. He's like, that's what we want people to come here to do. This is where the money is that we can help expand and help our whole country is tourism. The, the, the tourism is like number two, I think, in mm, Kenya, right? It is. Uh, people coming and then paying for, to go on these these uh, African safaris and just doing touring Kenya. He goes, that's the most important thing. I mean, we want you to come and help them work and do what you're doing. Um, and that's why I go, okay, I'm not getting it because of my American guilt. Then I had to research and think about really what is this about? And then you can go online and you can see everybody bash on volunteerism. I'm like, you're not getting it. You want to make somebody feel bad because they're out there. I don't care if they're out there taking selfie with kids. At least they're out there taking selfie with kids and they're not sitting at home writing on a computer being mean to people. So that's where I started to go, okay, I'm actually digging this idea more and more about volunteerism, but you have to do it, you know, correct. So that's kind of where that all came from. But it was Shauna's idea. And that's where I think it, it kind of grew from there. You know, what's interesting to me is after going on so many trips to Africa and so many different teams, I had so many people that, you know, wanted to go that weren't affiliated with any kind of religion or um, ideology like that. And I just wanted to build this bridge and this gap, like evangelical Christians have been doing it forever. Mm -hmm. And if you're not associated with that, how can other people come experience this and be a part of this? And, and so volunteerism just seemed so amazing. And it's like you said, Mark, what we've learned is no, it is not 
greedy or selfish to go on a safari after building homes, doing water projects, doing all of this, because it does stimulate the economy. It gives them the drivers money Mm. to drive there. It gives, you know, the restaurants, it really helps the economy and people don't realize that. And so I loved the idea of, um, and I loved what you said. You said we getting away from this it's a, it's called poverty porn where people are just taking pictures and posting them on Instagram and look at me, I'm such a great person. And what I liked what Mark brought to it was he said, how do we take it a step beyond that? How do we keep the people engaged after we get back? And so there's, it's just been a lot of fun really coming alongside um, and doing this project and, and it's fun watching you and, and the others get excited about it and yeah, you know, uh, we've seen, I've seen the sizzle reel, we've shared it with a lot of people, man, it is, it is just outstanding. And when you see the sizzle reel, you, you really get excited about the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about it. And uh, we hope that you guys will do a, an episode back, back in Kenya. I think that's in the works and in some other places. But I want to just touch on one thing, you know, a lot of our people that go on a mission trip with us. They always say that same thing. Yeah, I feel I feel bad about going on a safari, and I and I I, I have to educate them on that very same thing. But also, I'm like, I don't want people to spend. I mean, they spend a lot of money going. They spend a lot of time preparing. I don't want them to go all the way to the safari capital of the world, which is Kenya, and, and not get to experience that. Oh, yeah. uh, but, and, and so um, I, I don't apologize for that whatsoever. And again, uh, what it does to the economy, I mean, that's why those places are hurting so badly right now is because of COVID and other things and they're shut down and man, it is really, really tough. It's really, really yeah. tough when it's your number two after tea and coffee is tourism. So um, it's, it's really important, you know, again, a balance. Yeah. Forge a balance between uh, what your mission work is and 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 the good that you're doing for people, as well as hey, we want to have fun. We want people to have a great also experience uh, the culture and whatever the country has uh, to offer. And and in all of those things, uh, it's the people. It's yeah. the people that stay with you, and um, that's what is is so rewarding. No matter where you go or what you do, it's the people that you're serving and helping that really stays with you and, and, and really keeps us going as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Mark, it is not easy getting to that five-star safari place, is it? <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's fun. It, it is absolutely fun. And it's okay. I mean, you, you're going to travel. Go see a new country. You're going to travel. You're going to travel in Jeeps and you're going to travel in vans and stuff like that. And it's it's not like an hour drive. It's it's a long drive to get to where you have to get to. So, What was your impression also, about the poverty? Well, I think, I mean, boy, you can almost just see it in the sizzle reel. What I've learned, and, and, and I was pitching it this to an investor. This is really important, I think was I was pitching this to an investor. Obviously he was a right wing, you know, very conservative guy who had a lot of money. And he's like, and I pitched the whole, like just a little quick verbal pitch. And he goes, oh, so you're just trying to be, uh, make the world more Democrat, uh, more Democrats in the world. And his comment was actually, you know, true. 
in, in a way, but very um, um, ignorant too at the same mm-hmm. time. Because no, we, we aren't trying to do that. We're trying to get a community uh, sustainable to live on their own right. and teach them how to fish. We're not trying to give them fish. And that was what's very important. That's what's kind of, I think, different with volunteerism, what we're trying mm-hmm. to do. And, and and I saw that in the country is, and you see it in our little social world where he's like, we don't want handouts. Those That's are right. seasonal. And I found that when I was talking to people down there, they don't want handouts. What they want to do is learn how to make their communities more sustainable financially yes. by living off of each other. And it's not like they're dumb. That's not what I'm, yeah. uh, that's not it. It's like, I think they've gotten into a system there that they can't, they're trying to break out of that yes. system that they're doing and try to think people outside of the box. It's funny because I think Jared is very much outside of the box um, a thinker. When I was down there, he he's really trying to push the grounds. So I think what we're, what is interesting about volunteerism, we, we really talk specifically about, hey, we want to team up with um, someone in that country who can you can have more teams come back and they're building onto something. And we'll give you a bad example was like building water wells and maybe driving pipelines for the water wells. We discussed that for hours at nights, you know, going, well, is this isn't just, if we keep bringing people to just build homes or just, um, you know, if they're they're there to just go build a home, makes them feel good about themselves. Then I can understand the argument for volunteerism. But if we have something to where we can go, and we have to learn this. And you guys, you yes. taught this to me, Rana, about that is we can't come in with the American idea of how we want to change the country. Yes. They got to show us how they need to change the country. And then we need to go, okay, what's great about America? Love America so much as we're capitalists. We're the people that go, hey, okay, so you need this and that's how you can sustain or grow. We help figure, we, that's what we do. Americans love to figure things out and make things change. Who went fastest to get the vaccine? Americans. Because <laughs> Americans, like, we're, 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 we're right. innovative. We're capitalists. We're trying to think of ways, you know, either to make money or how to get things. But we're very active. But we can't push that onto a community. They have to tell us what they want. And then we go, what if you do this? Or how can we do this? Yeah. Or they need certain expertise that they don't have in that country. And we can bring those along. So that's why the show's great, but I think what you're doing there, and that's what I did learn while I was in Kenya, is you can't bring your what you think the country needs. That's right. And, and if, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to just share a story about that. Um, you know, we've built over 5,000 homes in this one area of Kenya in the western part. And one day I was driving along a, a road with a pastor, and he told me a story about a a family the parents had walked off and left the kids there was four kids and he and his wife had taken them in and I said man why why would why would parents do that and does that happen a lot in in here in Kenya he says it happens a lot and when I asked him why and he told me it just shook me to the core he said the reason that parents walk off and leave their kids is because they can't bear to watch them starve to death. And at that point, I realized we had to do more than build houses. We had to find out what was the root cause of poverty there because the people in those houses were starving to death. They couldn't send their kids to school. They didn't have money 
uh, to go to the doctor. And as we began to look at it, we found that it was water. Because if our people had water, then they would be able to grow enough food to feed themselves and also enough to sell at markets. And then you began to generate income and began to drive that economy. And then there is enough money for school fees and for medicine and, and for all the things that, uh, that, that you need. And so as, as our organization began to look at it, we decided that we had to focus on water. And so I did the craziest thing uh, a year or so ago. I strapped a, a, a jerry can on my back, which you see women and girls every day in third world countries and in Africa where we work. Every day they're going maybe seven, eight hours to get water and they can't go to school. Uh, they have no future. And um, so I strapped one of those things on my back and I started in New York City. And I began to walk and on the back of my jerry can, it said, ask me, you know, why I'm carrying this. And so when people did, um, I would share with them that we were raising money and awareness, you know, for water projects. And it ended up, long story, to uh, start an initiative called United for Kenya, getting the diaspora, particularly the people that live outside of Kenya, but who are Kenyans to help uh, do that. But once again, sustainability. You know, the West, we are kind of responsible for that because we have made them dependent on us by giving handouts. And so what you are saying is so very, very important. And what uh, volunteerism that you all are, are talking about is going into different countries and doing sustainable projects, not where you go in, you hand out food, you hand out clothes, you hand out candy, everybody's happy, you go home and nothing, nothing has changed. So I really appreciate uh, what you're doing and, uh, and, and the, how the paradigm is finally shifting to, again, we go in and we empower these people. Right. We don't do it for them. We give them support. We help empower them. But one day we want to work ourselves out of a job Yeah. and for them yeah. to be independent. And that was a, a fun thing that you did while we were over there, Mark, was you included a bunch of, of the Kenyan um, kids who were excited about filming and they got to come alongside with us mm -hmm. and learn. Yeah. yeah. And what's great about that is I learned that um, doing mission trips in Mexico with a, a place called Yugo. And when I went to Yugo, we built houses. It's the same mm -hmm. thing. It's just a different way we build houses. And what they would do is, is it's a little place where you go and you stay within this it's like dormitories. It's really nice though. It's extremely nice. And then you work all day, but they had uh, a film crew there. And this is just right when I was making, I was doing TV shows. And so I got to know the two filmmakers there. And I was like, they, you know, my first year there, they go, we have ideas and we want to make films. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I got them to kind of help me the next year we got together and they, I go, pitch me your film. And then they pitched me their film, you know, mm. and then I started, you know, working with them in, on the TV series. And I go, I'm going to come down. I'm going to produce down here in Mexico, a couple of shows in Mexico. And they got to direct and I started fostering them. And they're the very people that cut our sizzle reel. And they're mm. the very guys that are in the sizzle reel, Marvin. It's really and awesome. So um, cool. But <clears throat> we, you know, we started to grow together. Now we wrote a feature film. We now have a feature film and a lookbook and we're putting it through the pipeline. Now we're trying to get it done. So <clears throat> you take those relationships. Now he can do that with the people in Mexico yes. and now they're learning how to make films and they're doing stuff like that. 
it's not like I was thinking of that. It's just that's how God made it go. And that's the plan that we do. But I'm, I'm learning from that, you know. And when we were in Kenya, I'm like, you know, I wish I could be in Kenya every year to help these guys and get them to grow. But what I, we could do and what volunteerism allows us to do that if we go and make this show and we're in Kenya and the, and the idea of the show, just so people, if people are watching this and they want to go, well, really, what is the idea of the show is that we would come into Kenya, we would start building a water, some water. I don't know, I don't know how we do it. You know, you know, yeah, but drilling water wells, dig, yeah. dig a couple of wells and we get going and we go, hey, we need a pipeline. Well, we'll do a show about how we're going to do that, but we'll go off and go do a show another time. But if you go to a volunteerism website, you can right. go, hey, I want to help continue that. And I'm going to bring my own family and my own team, and we're going to continue helping build that. And we may even go find people. You may not be in a TV show, but when you come there, they're going to have our film crew already there for you. They'll take the video for you. These guys are now working. They can mm -hmm. cut and they'll learn how to edit. What do we do? We just establish jobs for these filmmakers there. Um, people get their own little TV show that they kind of have, you know, it may not be the main one, but they'll have these little TV shows that they can show their friends. What does that do? Well, I went to Kenya. I want to go do this trip and I want to go right. work on it. So what it's called is it's called One Tribe that Shauna mm -hmm. came up with. She goes, I just want us to be one tribe. And I'm like, that's it. Now all of a sudden our tribe starts to grow that yeah. way. And then it's, it's helping each other. And that's the idea behind volunteerism. And it kind of ties into what you're, you're talking about is you know what is your need how can we do it and then how can we kind of entertain people and make people be aware of it mm -hmm. so well it's been great talking to you and um yeah, I, you. I, I i'm not saying we're, we're done yet but oh. um <laughs> I, <laughs> but but uh, but i do want to before i forget i want to i want to put in a, a plug here and and that is uh maybe you guys who are listening, you know of somebody, investors or other people who might be interested in um, helping uh, finance this film. And uh, man, uh, it's it, it's very worthwhile and it's very entertaining. It's very well done. And uh, Mark, uh, you you have done a great job uh, and Shauna uh, getting this thing, uh, the ball rolling. And uh, my hat's off to you for, for taking it on and and uh, we're all praying that that it's uh, it's going to take off. Yeah, yeah. What was that, Mark? It will. It will. Yeah, I believe uh, there so you too. go. There you go. It's going to happen. How it's going to happen, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So it, it will happen. I will. I, I'm stubborn. So. Oh, I like that. <laughs> don't get. Don't don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And well, and so then, Mark, just real quick, who who would you say has been one of the biggest influences in your life and, and all this stuff that you've gone through, who is one of your main influences? That's hard. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so hard. I mean, you just, I, I think life is my influence. And I say this, mm. I mean, sometimes people will say, you know, give you the Jesus Christ is my influence and my daddy was my influence. They all are. I mean, mm. in, in so many aspects. I hope that you're influenced. I hope Jesus Christ better be your influence if that's what you are as a Christian. And I hope your parents are some kind of influence or some filmmakers you're influenced. Mm -hmm. um, I just think humans, and this is sounds, I guess, cheesy too, but 
I think just being around people and their inspiration and seeing what people do at times, I'm just like completely blown away. I was blown away in Africa when I see people that are really trying to make a difference. Those are people that influenced me at that time that make me want to go back. I'm still the, for Ron Tourism, the guy that I don't even remember his name, but he influenced me so much. I, that's what I hold on to. I don't want handouts. They're seasonal. I want to, all of a sudden that guy is my inspiration and maybe he didn't realize that, but mm -hmm. now that guy is an influence for me for that. And I think when it comes to like um, filmmaking, um, filmmaking, there's so many filmmakers I could go through that I think are, are inspirational, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and stick to my head. Then you have relationships, my wife, She's someone that I'm like, she's inspirational. She's, mm -hmm. she, she loves, she just loves and she takes care of people. And I mean, there's just so many things I, I think that, that inspire me and it's just people. I love that care. answer. I love that mm -hmm. answer. And I think that that's true. I think you can make, everybody is our spiritual teacher, our mirror to show yeah. us things about ourselves that we could work on or things that we like. And, and, and that, that's, yeah, good answer. Where do you want to be in 10 years? On an island drinking margaritas in my bathing suit. And yes. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Not the answer now. I was looking for, but that's all right. That's the answer I was okay. looking for. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm already tired. I mean, and it just keeps building and building and laying on me and piling on me. And I'm like, I don't think I can take enough, Lord. And it's like, nope, here's a couple more things you can yeah, be doing. Yeah, here's a couple you know? more things to do. Yeah. yeah. And, but I think God gives you what you can. Um, it would be nice probably in 10 to 15 years to be able to take a lot off of my plate and just, sure. you know, make a film once in a while or, you know, um, do volunteerism for 10 years. Yeah, I don't, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. I think um, being a servant and whatever God leads me is, I'm learning that even, and it goes back to even the directing when you guys were talking about that. The director, when you're on set is, he's the guy. I mean, yeah. you walk on set, hey, the director's going to the bathroom right now. Okay, I got eyes <laughs> on the director. You're like, what? <laughs> Wherever you go, the director is, you know, he's all of, you can't go anywhere without somebody saying, I got eyes on the director. And, you're, <laughs> and it, you get a toilet just, paper roll handed underneath yeah. the stall to you. You don't even know you needed it. <laughs> it's, it is really weird, but I, I took that as like, I'm the servant. So when, we go to lunch. Who goes first? The director. He goes in line. He gets his food because then he can eat and talk to everybody. I did the opposite. I go, I, go, I want everybody to go through the line. I did that for me. And mm -hmm. I'm not, not to show everybody else. I did that for, to keep me humble. Wow. And I think that's what we need to do is I think the world's missing that today. Yes. Is we want to, we want to keep pointing at everybody else instead of pointing at us and finding the humility we've lost humility and being humble in the world today and that's where anger comes from when you start you know going that's what's wrong and that's what's wrong and i don't agree with it so what if you don't agree with it but be humble and go well maybe what i believe you don't believe in let's mm -hmm. talk about it and we've lost that humility yeah, um yeah. so when you take that humility and you start taking the humble place about it going you know what am i doing well, wrong you, you you said the thing that we've been saying on this show since we started it and that's to use your life to serve others yeah. And in so doing, you know, you find purpose. And in our American Western culture, it's so much is taught the opposite. 
And uh, that's why I think Americans and people in the West are some of the most miserable is because mm. they're not serving. They're not giving to others. They have no purpose in life. And uh, wow, that, that just says volumes to me uh, that, that you followed the example of Christ too. And I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to let you eat first. Uh, I'm going to, you know, let you, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to serve you. And in yeah. so doing, um, there's great purpose and, and great fulfillment. And people don't understand that if you do that sometimes. I mean, yeah. I mean they were freaking out. On freaking Sunday. out, yeah. Why is, why is the director waiting for everybody else to eat? And then I would be the last one in line. And I really was not doing it to, to make a show. I really wasn't. I did it for me and I did it. And I would fight with our, your assistant directors. Like, you got to go eat right now. You should be first. I mean, we would fight with him. Finally, finally gave up. And I'm like, listen, and he was a Christian and I explained to him my thoughts. But what it did do is it opened up a lot of conversations yes. with a lot of people. They're going, why were you doing that? You know, because when I go on set, I'll, I'll gladly admit it. I smoke, smoke, smoke cigarettes. That's how I learned to film. And I will go sit over there. And I would go over where people were smoking cigarettes, have a cigarette with them, and then we talk. And they go, "You're the weirdest director." <laughs> 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 and then like they're like, "You're talking to us." And and one guy just called it out. He goes, "You're a Christian. I can tell you right now, you're a Christian, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, I, th "The reason people are freaking out is that, you, that nobody acts like that kind of on set." Mm. So. And I wasn't doing, I told him, I'm not doing it to prove that I'm a Christian. I go, I just try to keep myself humble because I get it. That's get awesome. It. So, and I think that's what, you know, we need to do now. Everybody needs to stop screaming. Stop yeah. watching the news. The news wants you to be on their side. They want you to be angry. Yeah, they and they want you, and they're not allowing you to go with humility, go to your neighbor. That's, and Kenya does that. You know, they're using your neighbors or what? Your family, right? Yes. That's what we learned in Kenya. Out here, your neighbors can, you know, I have a sign right out there that says, we called Governor Newsom. I have another sign that's next door saying, we believe in love and we believe in equal rights. And we like the rainbow one over here and you have anger over here. And then they look at each other and they look at you when they're walking. <laughs> community am I living in where we can't just go, hey, let's chill, talk. You know, that's awesome. Out. I love it. Yeah, it just makes so much more sense to be that way. And then what what is the quote, something, if necessary, use words. So what you're saying is live your life. Mm -hmm. And when you live your life, people can't help but see there's something different. You don't have to use words, your right. life, your life are the words. Whenever you know? possible, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Our actions and speak you, louder. Actions, it's actions, because you guys do it. You, The two of you do it. You know, um, when when we went to Kenya, it's very obvious everybody looks up to you, Rana, the whole time. They're just, they gravitate towards you. They love you. They, you know, and I, and that was something that I noticed while I was there is that, you know, that community and you're part of that community. That, that's fantastic. And when they watch the sizzle reel, I'm like, everybody's like, well, who's going to be the host? And I'm like, look at Shauna, watch the sizzle reel. And everybody's like, I just want to gravitate towards you. You guys live that life. And that's, what's awesome about what you're doing. And even, um, as you guys move forward with this and with um, Houses with Hope, you guys continue to live for others. And that's something to really look up to. I just want to tell you guys that. Well, thank you. Thank you.
You very, very much. You want to end with the, any parting words for Mr. Gould? Oh, parting words for him. I need some for him to part some words for oh, us. True. Uh, Mark, what people who are looking for passion, looking for, do you have any recommendations? That's, that's part of what this show is about, helping people find their passion and, and give back to others through it. Do you have any advice for listeners? Yeah, I, I, wow, I just, I listen to, I mean, if you're, you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, but I'm just, listen to where your path is going. People get clogged in their minds, I think, and I'm going to speak Christianese right now. Um, it's so weird. You, you'll be sitting there and all of a sudden you're busy doing something and you're doing something and a person comes up to talk to you at the worst time when you're really busy mm. and they, you, how you doing, how you doing? And they're like, well, it's been a really rough time. Well, right then you have to stop and say, hey, God, what is going on here? I need mm. to stop. That's not just Christian in that sense too. I would have to say that's anybody is stop and listen. That will bring your purpose to what you're doing. And when I'm saying with people, stop and listen. I think that your path can be guided um, by what you're doing in life. You, your passions can mm -hmm. guide you to what, what are you passionate yes. about? How do yes. you feel about that? Well, if that's the case, get around people that are experts at it. Get mm -hmm. around mentors who can do that. Get around people who have been there and go for your passion. Life's way too short. I mean, I'm in my 50s. It seems like yesterday I was in my 20s, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm going that direction now. And I realized that I may not be the richest guy, but I am the richest guy because I am, I, I got to do a lot of my passions. I've knocked off what I dreamed of doing. I'm, I got a feature film done. I've done TV. I've done this. I've done this. I might not be the richest guy, but I have the best family and I have my wife and I have awesome kids. And but I, I, I went after what I think that God was leading me to. And mm -hmm. if you do have a passion, grab a mentor. Grab mm -hmm. somebody that you look up to and make sure mentors, asking for help and asking people and being, there's a difference between being aggressive and annoying aggressive and then mm -hmm. asking people for help and going, hey, I really have this. And if like, if somebody came up to me and they say, hey, I want to be a director. When somebody tells me that every time, I'm like, great, why? Mm -hmm. just explain to me why you want to be a director there's no money mm -hmm. you get abused uh you don't get your vision <laughs> you're fighting everybody it, but it's fun doing but why do you want to be a director what's the purpose i have something to say great what do you have to say <laughs> then you start to figure out what what is it mm -hmm. that we really are being called to do what do you have to say what is your purpose and so i try to lead that with all the projects i have i mean we have eight films and two, five TV shows that we have out there going. And I'm like going, whatever God puts in front of me, they each have a purpose in what I'm trying mm -hmm. to say and meaning. It's not about being famous. It's not about making money. It's about having something to say. So if you have a passion, mm -hmm. like you guys have, you have a passion to help each other or help others. That's what you have. If you have that passion and you want to go after it, get a mentor, get somebody who can guide you to find out how you can make that work for you. That's, that's great advice. Great, 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 great advice. advice. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Get into your gifts and enjoy it. Let, let God use it to help others. And in, in the process, uh, like you say, you might not have a lot of money in the bank, but you're rich. Yeah. You're what stinking is rich. rich. What, are, what is rich? Really, honestly. Yeah, I that's mean, right. 
Yeah. And some of the richest people I know are the most oh. miserable. Oh, people miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, Mark, yeah. Uh, you're one of our favorite people. And uh, it's just been, it's, it's always been fun. It's always fun to be around you, yeah. but uh, you always, uh, we always learn from you as well. Yeah. And uh, we're just really happy that you took the time out to be on the Bag Lady Show. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing where uh, <laughs> volunteerism goes. And uh, thank you again for, for everything that uh, you're doing with us and with other people and giving your life and serving others. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Have a, have a beautiful day, Mark. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I just absolutely love Mark Gould. How could you not? You know, I, one time I told him, I said, you know, Mark, if I could pick anyone to be my next door neighbor, it would be you. Yeah. You know, he's just the coolest guy. Yeah. And, and very, very talented. What uh, We're just so happy to work with him and for him to be a, a part of what we do and vice versa. And uh, it's it was a fun interview oh, and, yeah. and great, great guy. Great guy. Well, as you know, we sell beautiful quality handbags for some really important causes. I want to just talk about one of them, particularly in third world countries that affects women like nothing else, and that's water. Uh, I think in the first show, we, we gave a few statistics for for those of you who weren't be able to listen, I just want to share a few of those. It's mind-boggling. Uh, over 2 billion people on this planet do not have access to clean water. And it falls disproportionately to women and girls to haul that water every single day. Many of them, it takes them all day long. And it's not even clean water. It keeps them from getting an education. It's dangerous for these girls uh, to go to these watering places where sometimes people uh, are ready to prey on them and uh, many times they get assaulted and they can't go to school. Uh, they spend so much time around the world every single day. Women spend 220 million hours hauling water. I mean, it's, it's just a waste of productivity and it just, again, keeps these women and girls from being able to be all uh, that they could be. And their potential is lost. So when you buy a bag, you're helping us to do water projects uh, around the world uh, for, for women and girls uh, to enable them, again, to, to be able to live normal but productive lives. So it's really, really important. And uh, we want to show a couple of our bags. Um, I'll start out. I got a big honking bag today. <laughs> it's a big honker, huh? I mean, <laughs> this could be like an overnight bag or like even a weekend bag. You could you could put a lot of things in it, but I love it. It's it's uh, really kind of is getting us into the spring fling of things. And there's even a little little thingy here. Thingy majigger. Thingy majigger where you can put it around your head even. I you like know, it on the really, bag. It's it really, really cute. Cuts. It's really cute on the on the bag. And again, tons of room, great quality leather. And uh, I just really like this I bag. do too. It's really, I really cute. Like bag. I do too. You got one? I do. I do. And mine's a little bit more simple. It's a brown um, over the shoulder bag. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's kind of what I like. Just I've been learning to practice kind of a more minimalistic lifestyle. So if you don't love it, 
you get rid of it right. because all that clutter can be just too yes. much for us. This is more of my style, small. It still has like a little flap for a phone and keys yeah. and then just a nice little area for some some wallets and lip gloss. And so that's another bag that's on our store. Yes. yes. So you really, really, really can help us if you'll go to thebagladyshow.com and buy a bag because, again, it, it funds some of these really, really uh, important uh, projects. Also, Shauna, tell them uh, the other thing that we need help with always is... Well, like us, follow us on Facebook, share our posts, sign up for our drawings, send in your recipes, different... Just become mm. a part of the tribe in any way that you can. Uh, follow our YouTube, give us some Apple or Google reviews, and keep coming alongside of us. We love having you here. And coming right up is the drawing. Oh boy. Well, we're about to have our drawing, and uh, so um, I'm going to introduce the winner. <gasps> <laughs> And I believe it flew off, but I believe I know that it's Amanda Quintana from Chandler, Arizona. Oh, Amanda! <laughs> Tell Amanda what she's won. Let's see what you won there, girl. <laughs> Do you know what she won? <laughs> there might be a better way to do this in the future. Amanda has won a handmade African bag. Yes, and, and I just happened to have ooh. it right here. Oh, how cute! Such a cute bag, and inside love the colors. Love the colors. Is a little coin purse, and this was made by a woman in Kenya. For yours truly, Amanda. Thank you for sending your name in and joining our drawing. Remember, you can go online to thebagladyshow.com and enter for our weekly drawing and we just want to say thank you and remember to buy a bag, bag help, help a cause, cause change a life, life. <laughs> we got it <laughs>